0: i'm jared and i'm eric and you are listening to the ascend podcast where college and university leaders thinkers and innovators come to learn practical and proven strategies for improving retention rates graduation rates and overall student success are you ready let's go hello and welcome to another episode of the ascend podcast i am jared Tippett. And I have with me today, Eric Kirby, as always. Good to see you, Eric.
1: Hey, Jared. Good to be with you again.
0: Eric, today's one of our short sessions, which may actually not be as short as some of the others, but we're going to talk about Generation Z today. And today's section is understanding the students you serve, Xers, Millennials, Gen Zers. This comes from our data section of the book. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about Generation Z today, because this is such a unique population of students that have been on our campus for a few years. What we have learned in our own work here, and as well as working with other institutions, is that many schools, colleges, and universities are not really built for the students that we serve today, at least not the traditionally aged students that we serve today, so... I know you have spent a tremendous amount of time studying Gen Z, Eric, and other generations. So I'm excited to sort of pick your brain about this population.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really unique population. Um, and I think one of the things is that their uniqueness is different enough from previous generations that if higher ed is not paying attention to Generation Z, we're going to miss the boat on a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, so let's dive in and talk a little bit about Gen Z. Let's just start big picture, Um, right? So people who are working in higher ed that may be a baby boomer or a Gen Xer, even those who are millennials, talk to us a little bit about just what are some of the big differences between Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Z? How how are they different than their previous generations?
1: Yeah. So Generation Z are generally the 11 to 26-year-olds right now. So most of us in higher ed have seen Gen Zers as freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, and maybe even some of our graduate students. And we know that we'll probably have Gen Z for another 10 years trickling into our, our institutions. So some of the big picture items that that make them so unique is this is the first generation that is completely digital natives. They have grown up with the internet and smartphones in hand. They do not know what a world is like without the internet and that kind of technology. This is a generation as well that has been marked in their psyche, their emotions, uh, and their mental status by their upbringing. The oldest was in kindergarten when 9-11 happened. They are all products of the Great Recession. So when they were 8, 9, 10, 11, they saw moms and dads, aunts and uncles, losing homes and losing jobs and whatnot. So so financial concerns is, is embedded into their psyche. They've grown up with mass fragmentation in society from protests to police brutality, to the Black Lives Movement, to the LGBTQ movement, and, and other big movements across the nation that have been fed right into the palm of their hand through Twitter and other social media. War on terror is embedded into them as well. School shootings is another one. This You know, Jared, you and I go back to our generation, and we were probably most scared of earthquakes growing up and, and maybe dying of quicksand out in the, out in nature. This generation, they do mass shooting drills. And so you look at just what they've grown up with and you can't help but have a little bit of sympathy and and understand a lot of the complexities of why they're so attached to their parents, which we can discuss a little bit, why they may need a little bit more hand holding, why they're a little bit more not as trusting of administrators or other people or even peers, right? When you're raised in an environment that anyone could be a shooter, including your classmates this is having a big impact on their psyche and then the final thing is covid right they experienced covid full freight in high school middle school and we still don't know the impact that covid is going to have on them and uh, in particular their, their mental and social aspects so that's kind of their 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 big big picture and we can definitely dive into some of that stuff
0: yeah thanks for that that nice overview of of some of the challenges that they've faced and experienced that have helped really mold them into who they are today. So here's a thought that I had, Eric, is I'm going to take a page out of our expert session podcast and treat you as the expert on Gen Z. And uh, we're going to rip through the Ascend model and talk about how Gen Z views each of these categories through their own unique lived experiences. So let's just start with A, affordability, finances and affordability. Talk to us a little bit about how Gen Z looks at finances and affordability.
1: Finances is huge in their world. This is the most debt-adverse generation we've seen in a long time, if ever. Products of the Great Recession. Consequently, $500 can be too much debt for this generation to absorb. They uh, would rather stop out or not come as opposed to waste money uh, in in their view. They view financial expenditures in terms of relevance and value, and higher ed is no exception. If higher ed cannot cross that, that hurdle of... What is the value and what is the relevance? Gen Z won't play ball. And we're starting to see that more and more Gen Zers are finding more affordable options through tech programs or through self-taught or just jumping right into careers. Obviously, related to finances is that concern of having enough money. This generation is hyper-focused on their future, in particular, their careers, again, as a product of the Great Recession and other things that have happened. So they're looking at jobs that can help pay the bills. They're looking at jobs that are going to create stability. They're looking at jobs that can keep them from having to experience the issues of the Great Recession. 42% of this generation feel they're going to be entrepreneurs. This is up dramatically from what we see nationally, which is about 14% nationally believe they're going to be entrepreneurs. So this is a generation that wants to work for themselves in order to be able to provide for themselves. They don't want people calling the shots and dictating where the money's going to go. So if your institution isn't helping them find creative ways to have money, if your institution isn't finding ways to cut costs, if your institution isn't helping this generation discover the value and relevance of higher education and linking it to the careers that they want, we're going to be missing the boat with a a lot of Generation Z.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. Let's go on to S, support. How can institutions best support students who are in Generation Z?
1: Yeah, so this generation seeks to be treated like individuals. They don't believe in fitting into social norms, uh, and they want to be treated like adults. This is a generation that has had to grow up at a faster rate than any other generation, given the stuff that, that we've talked about. Consequently, even though they may not know how to communicate like adults in our minds, that's how they expect to be treated. So we need to support them. One of the things that this generation craves is authenticity, which is often related to support. This generation has a huge distrust of authority in a 2023 survey that just came out. And so with regards to authenticity, what we're finding is it generally takes four to six encounters with Generation Z before they really start accepting our support and and view it as, as authentic. So Oftentimes they think that our outreach or things that we're doing or trying to really support them is because we have to, it's our job, it's what we're getting paid to do. And so the more we can be persistent, the more we can show that that love, that care, that kindness to Generation Z, that authenticity will, will show up. And as we continue to treat them like adults, they will be more receptive of the support we're offering. But we, we have to create diverse programs for them. We have to create uh, unique avenues of, of communicating with them. We have to create interests at different levels. We have to create our orientation onboarding process that caters to their more introverted nature and more technological-based way of, of wanting to receive information. So this, this is a generation that from top to bottom, we've got to look at the way we're interacting And trying to support them from the the time they pay that enrollment deposit all the way through graduation in in a lot of different capacities.
0: Yeah, you're right. This generation of students absolutely interacts with us very differently and seeks support in very different ways than previous generations had before. All right. C normally stands for culture, but I'm pivoting once again and calling it communication. Talk to us a little bit about how to best communicate with Gen Z, what they expect from us in terms of how we're reaching out, those sorts of things. Talk a little bit about Gen Z and communication.
1: Yeah. Gen Z has a really short attention span. Uh, Research shows about eight seconds, which is four seconds down the millennials. So some of their preferences with regards to communication is keep it short, keep it short and simple. We need to communicate across multiple platforms. One of the surprising things that came out from EAB and then ECMC is they continue to show that email is still a high preference. Now that often confuses administrators. That doesn't mean that they're going to respond to your emails, but they do like having that, that they can go back and look at key information or be able to find contact information to be able to email you back. So oftentimes, Jared, you know, one thing that we we discovered is if we need to send those lengthy emails, we'll usually follow it up with a, a text saying, Hey, just sent you an important email related to, and then explain it or a phone call. Uh, but you've got to communicate across multiple platforms, keep it short, get to the point. And if you do need to send that bulk, find a way to kind of trigger them to, go and read it through a text or a phone call message seem to work a lot with this generation.
0: Yeah, I know. I am absolutely guilty of writing emails that are way too long for Gen Z. We all just need to be short and concise, like you talked about this kind of snackable content that we get out to them.
1: Yeah, and and the last thing I would say with, with communication is we have to go to them. This is a generation that we cannot beg to come to us. We've got to find intrusive ways to communicate in their space. And that could be... For Example, setting up an advising shop or session down in uh, a common area or in a particular center, uh, you know, Center for Diversity and Inclusion or the, the LGBTQ Center, the Veterans Center, going to them is kind of the, the mantra when we're communicating with them. We have to find ways to go to them, intrude on their space. Um, and one of the overarching things that we've talked about throughout our podcast and we've heard from everyone you have to be very careful not to overwhelm them with a ton of communication and make sure that you're being very strategic in what communication is going out and in, in, in which format.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I've told this story before uh, in several different settings, but I'll never forget the day that I thought I had written the best email ever to go out to students only to share it with a, a couple students and say, all right, what do you think of this before I send it out? And they just laughed and said, students will never read that. And so I gave it to them and said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you put it in a format that students will read? And they brought it back as an infographic. And figuring out how to best communicate with, with this generation is so critical and so important. All right, let's move on to the E, engagement. How do Gen Z students engage and how should institutions support the way in which they engage with us.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things here. Number one is we need to understand that they engage with each other in very unique ways that maybe we didn't. They engage a lot uh, socially uh, online, um, and so it may look like they're lonely or or don't have any friends, but in their minds, they're the most popular kid on campus because they, you know, are gaming or socializing on a regular basis. So we need to understand that they're going to engage with friends in a different way. And therefore they expect to engage with us in, in similar ways. And so having a presence on social media is very important for this generation, for, for institutions, having the ability to chat through, you know, chat bots or, or uh, other things like that. They they prefer that uh, social communication through social internet is how they speak their mind. Rarely will they come and approach you with questions or, want to confront you, but behind that internet curtain, if you will, that they'll speak their mind and they'll let their thoughts know. So having a way for them to provide feedback electronically, a way to engage with the university, find information on their own terms. And when they're available and thinking about it are all ways to help engage on a separate note with engagement where this generation is hyper-focused on careers. I think we have got to do better is in institutions of higher ed, find ways to engage them on their career focus. I think we have to help them understand ways that what we're doing is in fact going to help them have a better job and that it's directly related to their career, whether that's through internships, apprenticeships, whether that's through hands-on experiences in classrooms, which is what they they crave. They really want that in-person communication in the classroom. They want that hands-on skill development, the practical application of, of what they're putting into practice. This is a generation that sheer lecturing uh, and sheer coursework are down toward the lowest preferences of, of the way they want to learn and, and be engaged w- with the university. And unfortunately, so many of our classrooms and settings um, are, are built on that. And we, we need to change our curriculum. Our coursework to more fully engage this generation inside and outside the classroom, and engage them in career development. Or again, we 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 run the risk of potentially losing their interest, um, and they're going to go somewhere else where they're getting that type of engagement.
0: Yeah, thanks for those good ideas and and suggestions related to engaging Gen Z. All right, N is nudges. How should institutions be utilizing nudges to help Gen Z move forward to graduation?
1: Yeah, I I think in many instances, the nudges for Gen Z aren't much different than they would be for any other generation. I think the university has to be very intentional in what they're sending out, when they're sending it out, not overdo it. I think we know that providing too many options is not a good thing and providing not enough options is maybe even worse. But I think being strategic about hey, it's time to register and being up front. I think providing ways for them to be aware of any debts or or holds that are on their accounts that would prevent them from registering. I think, again, going to them, finding ways to communicate, nudge them, coach them, remind them about key strategic things, potential barriers or, or other ways, just as we would with any other student. I think universities can do a lot better about nudging all students uh, with the right amount and in the right way and be very strategic about it.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I, I like how sometimes I'll sit in meetings with folks my age and maybe a little older or maybe a little younger, and it's probably been a generational thing for hundreds of years where we like to say, oh, kids these days, right? Um, but we have to look ourselves in the mirror and realize that we also like nudges today. Yeah. Right, um we operate in a world where we appreciate the reminders from the dentist and the doctor of an upcoming an appointment, or we appreciate you know the reminder to pay a bill or whatnot we We've all kind of landed in a world where we need the nudges too or benefit from them, just like our students would.
1: yeah, I mean, right. How many times have Go you ahead. and I, Jared, were hey, coming to this meeting or hey, jumping on this call or or whatever, right? even we've been in this profession a long time, and you and I still have to. Often remind each other and nudge each other about certain things, and I know I appreciate it. And it, it's just human nature. We just we just often forget a lot of the important stuff.
0: Yeah, that's right. All right, D in the Ascend model stands for data, and so I'm going to give you a several D words, and you can respond to any of them through the lens of Gen Z. But you know, data is certainly something that institutions think a lot about, and it impacts the work we do with Gen Z. But I would invite you to also maybe talk about dreams or degrees or kind of the daily life of Gen Z student anything that you want to kind of add in under this broad category
1: when we talk about data universities have to pay attention to the shifting demographic as we've been talking about some of these nuances with generation Z and need to start paying attention to generation alpha that is right on their their heels I think too often we think that Gen Z is just a a small blip and maybe we'll go away and we'll go back to to normal, but Gen Alpha is mirroring Gen Z uh, in so many different ways and they're going to be different in a lot of different ways. So I think that's part of it. I think with regards to those other D's that that you brought up, institutions have to be very aware of and intentionally helping Gen Z fulfill their dreams. And these dreams are coming in a lot of different ways with the the rise of first gen, with the rise of wanting career-based education hands-on experience wanting that real-world interaction we have got to be paying attention to the dreams that the Gen Z is bringing into to our campuses and making sure we're doing our best to treat them as individuals and helping cater to what it is that they're striving for and what they want in a higher education experience their day-to-day's differ we're seeing what covid has done and it has shifted dramatically what uh, Generation Z prefers, right? A huge boom in their preference for online delivery. Uh, I know on the faculty side, I'm seeing that when I'm teaching in person versus online, we regularly have to create more online sections uh, for even our in-person or on-campus students. COVID has has sparked that want, that desire in them, and they're wanting us to be flexible and responsive. Maybe not to the way I want to teach my class, but to what they're wanting of of their education. And I think providing flexibility, which is something they want in activities, in hours of operation, in the way they can receive their instruction, all of these are nuances that are showing up in the data that we've got to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, pay attention to. I guess that's maybe where I want to kind of close and wrap up here is it's amazing how often we have had conversations with colleagues around campus related to Gen Z and the students we serve, and when we go visit other institutions, it's always a topic that we spend time on with the administration and with faculty and others. It's, but it, in some ways, it's amazing to us how many higher education leaders and those who are making important decisions really don't understand Gen Z. And we sort of are still just resting on our laurels and providing the educational experience that we experienced. And therefore, it's no surprise to us that Gen Z students are starting to vote with their feet and make other decisions and expect different things from us as an institution. So any additional thoughts as to why this is so important for all higher education decision makers to understand um, this whole reality of what it's like to educate Gen Z?
1: I think just to echo what you said, there's so many things that make this generation very unique and so different than any of our other generations Where you know, kind of the, the baby boomers and, and Gen Xers, millennials and all this. We have so many traits in common. This generation is the first generation to only, you know, have internet their entire lives, have experienced what they've experienced. And I don't think we fully understand how different and unique this generation is in so many cool ways, but in so many challenging ways. And our systems, our workforce The the way we interact, our higher ed systems, everything like that are not built for a digital native generation who has grown up with the adversity they've had and wants the flexibility they've had and wants to be treated in an individual way like they want to and wants things on their terms because of what social media the internet has provided to them. It's catching so many institutions off guard and if we're not paying attention to it, not only are you going to be out Generation Z, but you're going to be out Generation Alpha and probably every generation that follows it. These generations that are fully digital native are not going away. And as the world continues to be a little bit crazy, and as they continue to have instant access to these adult topics and conversations and issues that are taking place across the world, we've got to be responsive to their needs on many different levels.
0: Yeah. Good stuff, Eric. Thanks so much for sharing with our listeners your insights on Gen Z. We know that um, that this is incredibly important moving forward for us as institutions, as you just highlighted there. I really hope that all of our listeners found this to be as interesting as I did, as we spent some time together today. And I hope you'll share this episode with other decision makers on your campus to help them better understand this population of students that we get to work with today. So that's it for this week's episode. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the Ascend podcast. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Ascend Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, we hope you'll give us a like on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. We also would invite you to connect with us on LinkedIn by simply searching for us, Jared Tippett and Eric Kirby, where we would love to continue discussing today's topic with you.
1: And for more practical and proven strategies, just like the one you learned about today, check out our book, Ascend to Higher Retention Rates. Practical Strategies for Increasing Student Retention, Completion, and Student Success, which can be purchased on Amazon.com or on our website, www.tippetskirby.com. We'll
0: be back again soon with another podcast. Until then, keep on raging.